This is a CNA podcast. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. On today's edition, we've heard, of course, recently about the death of sitcom actress Christy Alley. 5th December 2022 is when she passed. And according to a statement from her family, she'd been battling, uh, having a short battle uh, with a particular disease or cancer. It's been revealed that she was battling the cancer that was recently discovered. And it is, in fact, colon cancer. She died at the age of 71. Many people, of course, know the Emmy Award-winning and Golden Globe-winning actress for her roles on sitcoms like Cheers and Veronica's Closet and on the big screen on Star Trek as well. This has pushed the concept and the issue of colorectal cancer into the spotlight once again. And people are thinking, how quickly progressing is this cancer? And, And what can be done if it is discovered at a late stage? Welcoming back to the program, Dr. Bernard Lim, who's a senior consultant colorectal surgeon based at Mount Elizabeth Navina Hospital. Dr. Lim, hello. Well, good afternoon, Daniel. Good to have you on board. Last time we spoke, I believe colon cancer was also something that was in the focus, you and I. And in fact, um, one thing that had come up was this perception that colon cancer mainly affecting men. But as this case demonstrates, no one is really immune. It may be more prominent amongst men, but really anyone can be affected by colon cancer. You're absolutely right, uh, Daniel, because uh, colorectal cancer right now is the number one cancer for men in Singapore, and for women, it's number two. But if you combine men and women together, colorectal cancer is number one, and it's the number one cancer in Singapore. And yet, I feel, and I mentioned this the last time as well, we don't talk enough about it. So let's understand this a little bit better. So the term that people are reading is colon cancer, and then I'm also saying things like colorectal cancer. Is it all the same thing? Yes, so the colon is a large intestine and that links to the rectum, which is the storage organ, before it links to the anus. So we tend to put colon and rectum together for for the sake of uh, educating the public on screening because the screening for colorectal cancer or colon cancer entails uh, uh, primarily colonoscopy, which covers both the colon and rectum. Got it. Okay, Mm -hmm. so going to those numbers, if you combine the numbers for men and women, it being the most prominent cancer in Singapore, why? Why so prominent in Singapore? Oh, that's a very good question, uh, Daniel. Right now, um, the, 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 the problem with uh, colorectal cancer is that it's a disease of uh, developed countries. And so as our diet and our environment mimics that of the Western world, uh, the colon cancer comes into the forefront. Now, colorectal cancer is a multifactorial disease. There are multiple factors that contribute to it. And these are soft factors such as um, diet, lifestyle, environment, and most importantly, actually, the strong factors would be the genetic component of colorectal cancer. And the last aspect which we can't really control would be the, the bad luck or the unlucky component. So with all these factors combined together, one gets colorectal cancer. But although it is the number one cancer for many women in Singapore, it is not the number one killer because it's, it's actually detectable and treatable if detected in its early stages. That's the thing, right? So because of this recent case with the actress Kirsty Ali, where the family statement said it was only recently discovered and then her passing comes on so quickly after it being recently discovered, a lot of people are like, gosh, this must be one of those cancers that acts very fast or progresses very fast. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, all cancers do, produce, uh, do, uh, do progress quite fast when in its later stages. But the problem with colorectal cancer is that in its early stages, there are no symptoms. Mm. You can be very well, you can pass motion well, no blood, no pain, no symptoms. But when you do develop symptoms, then it may be too late because when you have symptoms, it indicates that the tumor may be of a larger size or it may have already spread. 
and you start having symptoms of bleeding, pain, or bloating, which is why we advocate screening, which means checking for the cancer before there are symptoms. And the age for this usually starts at 50 years old for people who have no family history and no symptoms. Screening starts at 50. But if you have symptoms at any age, you should see um, a doctor to have it evaluated because you may need checking even before 50 if you have symptoms. Got it. Okay, so after 50, how often are you having a colonoscopy or a screening? So at the age of 50, if you have no symptoms and you have average risk, meaning no family history, there are several ways you can screen for yourself for colorectal cancer. One of them is a simple non-invasive way such as the stool occult blood test. It's an immunochemical test which checks for occult blood in your stools. If that is positive, then you'll be referred on for a gold standard test, which is the colonoscopy. And uh, there are other alternatives, such as a barium enema or a CT colonoscopy. But only the colonoscopy, it's both preventive as well as diagnostic. Because if we can find polyps as and when they arise, we can actually prevent cancer through the removal of these little polyps before they progress on. That's why it's the gold standard, the colonoscopy, because not only is it looking for potential early signs, it could at the same time remove that from the body and therefore prevent the colon cancer from developing. Yeah, Absolutely. Back to your question about how often you should do a test. If you're just doing a stool or cord blood test, there are limitations to that and you should do it almost every year. But if you're doing a colonoscopy and it's normal and you have no family history, then we say the repeat interval is between 5 to 10 years. However, if there are polyps found and they are the type which may progress, then the interval may be shorter uh, based on the type of polyps and the size of the polyps. And that is best left to your doctor to advise you after the polyps are removed because it may be shorter than five years. So that's the recommendations for individuals that may or may not have family histories after the age of 50 with no symptoms, with no family history. Um, But again, going to your earlier point about if you are having symptoms, don't have to wait for the age of 50. Please go and speak to your doctor and learn more about it. So this could be, you know, blood in the stool, abnormal bowel habits, bloating and pain and discomfort. But my question is, my concern, my thought is, don't worry. It doesn't mean if you're having this that it's necessarily colon cancer. It could definitely be many other things because the fear of diagnosis sometimes hold people back from getting the diagnosis. You are absolutely right because it's um, when, when you have symptoms and you're persistent and it bothers you, it is best to have it checked out and see a doctor. But you're right. Most of the time, the commonest cause of bleeding, it's actually not colon cancer, but mm. rather simple things like hemorrhoids or piles. Mm. Uh, that's a topic for another day. But despite that, with symptoms, the, the symptoms of piles or hemorrhoids can mimic that of cancer. Oh. That is why you should have it, have it checked out. Because when you have bleeding in your stools, Without checking, there's no way to tell whether it's just bleeding from the hemorrhoids or is it bleeding from something further in, such as a polyp or a cancer. What is the success rate if we were able to pick it up early? What, what's the, the best case scenario here if somebody was diligent about their screening and was able to pick something up early? Very good question. So if we go for screening and there's, it's absolutely normal, uh, no, no polyps, no cancer, then of course, that's the best. But if we do find polyps, we remove them before they turn cancerous, then there's a very high chance of actually preventing cancer from developing. And then you go for a regular surveillance, polyp surveillance scope after that. And next, if we do find a cancer, hopefully it's an early stage. Because early stage cancers, before they have grown, before they have invaded or spread, can be readily or potentially cured through surgery. Because cancer has to be cured through surgery. Unfortunately, if it's one is detected has a late-stage cancer, when the tumour has already spread, then even after surgery, you may still have to add on additional adjuvant therapies such as chemo or immunotherapy.
Let's pick up on that, Dr. Lim, what you just mentioned, this idea of, let's say, it does progress and advance that adjuvant therapies might be required, chemotherapy might be required. Is that the case for most scenarios in Singapore? Are we usually picking up at a late stage and we have to go to those options? Uh, good question, uh, Daniel. So generally, when you have uh, colorectal cancer, the treatment is usually primarily surgery up front. So for early stage cancer, meaning for stage one and some types of stage two, we just do surgery and there's no need for chemo or radiotherapy thereafter if the oncologist decides because uh, it is potentially curable if it's an early stage. However, if it's a later stage, stage three, stage four, after surgery, we still have to add on chemo because these stages simply mean that the cancer cells have spread out beyond the walls of the colon into the surrounding lymph nodes. And in the case of stage 4, even to the distant organs, the commonest organs would be things like the liver and the lungs. Now, when it happens like this, uh, we would uh, definitely need to add on adjuvant chemo or radiotherapy for rectal cancer and maybe even immunotherapy. Now, over the years, there's a lot, been a lot of progress with with surgery and with the, with the chemotherapy drugs, such that we now look at stage four uh, as not the end of the road. Uh, we still look whether it's resectable stage four, meaning that when the tumor has spread to the liver and lungs, it is still potentially resectable or removable through surgery. But of course, you have to add on chemotherapy to shrink it, to control it, and it's very, very individualized. So when you have a stage four uh, patient, generally we would like to have a discussion in a multidisciplinary panel with the oncologist or even KIV, the radiologist, on the individualized treatment because the treatment has to be individualized. Mm. Now, bear in mind that once it's stage four, generally the prognosis is not as good as an early stage. Hence, and that's how cancer, unfortunately, progresses to take people's lives. Yeah. So we really, really don't want to reach stage four. We want to catch it at the early stage. And we want to, because it's stage one, stage two is potentially curable. Now, we see more of stage one, stage two through a lead time bias, meaning that we screen more patients. As a result, we're picking up cancers at the earliest stage right. compared to the past, whereby there's tumors tend to present late because there's no screening or patients only when they have symptoms of bleeding and obstruction, then they present. And inevitably, it tends to be stage four. But now, we have, we have a very robust screening program in place. Uh, we aim to detect early or even prevent these polyps from becoming cancer. As when they do and they arise, we just remove them and prevent colorectal cancer. So let's talk about that and the idea of going for the colonoscopy. If somebody were doing it as they're part of their regular screening option and a polyp was discovered, first of all, there are very there are different kinds. Of, these are precancerous, uh, by the way, folks. If you're having the polyp, that's that's um, it's precancerous. It might or might not turn into a cancer. But the point of the matter is they're removing it. It's quite easy to do. I've seen the videos of how it's not easy, lah. I'm not a surgeon, but I mean, it's 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 it, you're already in there, and the, the the scope has the ability to to circulate and and remove it as well. But I've heard that they're difficult to find and difficult to see polyps sometimes, like the flat ones. Yeah, this is, this is a good point, uh, Daniel. So, like I said, in all screening programs, the aim is to detect uh, and prevent cancers before they arise, before they turn symptomatic. So, for, for colonoscopy, the good thing is we can find polyps and we can remove them. Now, the colon is not supposed to have polyps. Okay? When any polyp should be found, should be removed for histology and biopsy to determine the nature of the polyp. Some of them are purely, totally benign. Some of them may have a potential to turn cancerous. And we don't really call them precancerous, but they have a potential to. And at, when, at the stage when we remove them, they're still benign. So actually, it's very reassuring and good for patients. But you're right. Polyps are, may be difficult to be found if they're in an early stage or 
if the bowel preparation is poor, meaning that the patient has not cleansed the bowel properly or hasn't followed the instructions clearly to clean out all the stools, and then we have limited visibility to see clearly, which is why you should always follow the instructions of your healthcare provider who is advising you for the colonoscopy. Now, for, for screening with, with a stool or cup blood test, which is the FIT test or the immunochemical test, the idea is to, to, to detect bleeding as and when, the, when it occurs from the polyps through an occult manner. Which means that if you find blood in your stools already, then you can perhaps skip the FIT test or the stool blood test. Because the stool blood test aims to detect microscopic blood which you cannot see with your eye. And if it's positive, you'll be referred for the gold standard test, which is either a colonoscopy or the alternative such as a barium or a CT colono. Going back to what started this whole discussion, Dr. Lim, which is, you know, the death of Kirsty Ali at the age of 71, and this after a, a recent diagnosis of colon cancer, according to a statement from her family. Do you think this puts a spotlight, going back to that issue of gender issues as well, on what women need to know about colon cancer? This could be interesting. Yes, basically, a lot of people think that colorectal cancer only affects men or, or a certain race. Unfortunately, this is, or fortunately or not fortunately, this is not so. It can affect uh, any race with no particular predilection and any gender as well. It's just that women's breast cancer is number one and much more common than colorectal cancer. But like I mentioned earlier, when you combine men and women together, the colorectal cancer is number one for both groups combined together. So hence, women, if you have symptoms should seek medical attention if the symptoms are persistent or worrisome or bothering. Or if you hit 50 years old but no symptoms, then we should go and have it screened. And if you have a family history, when to screen? Now, that's a very good question. Yeah. Usually, we advise uh, 10 years uh, before the onset of the youngest member who had colon cancer. For example, if somebody in the family touch wood has colon cancer at 50 years old, then perhaps you should have your screen by 10 years before that, which is at 40, instead of 50 because then there's higher risk of a genetic component. Now, if you have the cancer when you're at older age group, such as 80, 70, 80, 90, it's more likely sporadic or what we call age-related. But you have it young, and you're seeing more and more of these, huh? 40, 50, really? that's considered a young age to get it. Then, of course, it's more likely a genetic component to the colorectal cancer. You know, back in 2020, Dr. Yeah. Lim and I discussed the issue of Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman, who died from colon cancer. He was 43 mm. at the age of his death. Isn't it worrying that we're seeing more and more of these younger um, scenarios emerge? Is that a result of, of, of what we were talking about, you know, early screening bias, or is it more about a, a genetic predisposition, uh, predisposition here? I think there's a little bit of both, but certainly if you have advanced cancer at age 40, I don't think it's a lead time bias anymore yeah. because he has taken his life and unfortunately, which means that it, it really is a, an increasing incidence of a younger uh, a cancer, which is uh, more likely a, a stronger genetic component to it. So for him, I would say his first degree relatives would have to have their screening done even before that at the age of 33. Yeah because then they will have to be screened for the high-risk polyps and the incidence of colorectal cancer. If, if you were to find and detect polyps mm. and remove, then do, does the frequency become more common after that as well? Oh, polyp was found, now we're going to have to see you every year. 
Okay, so good question. Once you remove the polyps, depending on the size and nature of the polyp, because the polyp can have a high-grade dysplasia, which is, means that it's just one step before cancer, or it's just a mild dysplasia, means it's starting to turn only, and the size, of course. So you have to discuss with your endoscopist or your colorectal surgeon, and generally the re- repeat interval will be about, instead of five years, maybe between three years or, or so, less than five years, because we know these polyps, even if you remove, they may grow back in the same place or somewhere else. And as long as you do this surveillance, you remove them, you can effectively actually minimize your risk of getting colorectal cancer, even if you have a family history and other risk factors. That's the key message here. Dr. Lim, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show once again here on Health Matters. And if you want to listen to more Health Matters podcasts, all you need to do is head on over to cna.asia slash listen. Scroll down to CNA 938 On Demand and click on the Health Matters podcast icon. I'm Daniel Martin. Thank you all for joining me. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.